Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Want to thank you for coming back another week for travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. Joining me today in the discussion is executive producer Gene Harley. Hello, Gene. Hi, Javon. Thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here. Yeah, well, a lot is happening and going on in the world of travel, but the two most trending topics are the reopening of international borders and how the vaccines are impacting travel. We'll cover that and a whole lot more because today is all news and hot topics. And as always, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. So let's get into it, Gene. Some travel news and hot topics. At the top of the list, how the vaccines are impacting travel. The Biden administration and the U.S. have proposed some new rules and a bill for vaccinated travelers and domestic flights. How do you feel about that? Even on domestic flights, Senator Feinstein from California has put forth a bill that would require domestic travelers be fully vaccinated and or have negative tests before they get on a domestic flight. And this has been up for discussion for a while now in the U.S. Yeah, this happened in early October when the bill was introduced to the Senate and as you said, requiring verification that there's proof of a vaccination or a negative COVID test. So there's a possibility that there won't be a mandate that you have to have the vaccine, but I think it's going to be one or the other that you either have to provide proof of a negative COVID test or a vaccine. So that's very interesting. And the bill is titled U.S. Air Travel Public Safety Act. Yes, and this is an interesting thing because I don't think it's got a lot of footage behind it. A lot of medical experts support the push for domestic travel to include everyone been tested or vaccinated. But I don't think it's going to happen because just basically everything we have from state to state and domestically, this just puts us on par. Canada already has a program just like this for transportation within the country and so do a lot of other countries around the world. But air traffic is seen as relatively safe with the uh, air circulation program that they have on the planes and that people are wearing the mask continuously. But I guess they're looking at the fact that people are fighting and acting up. So if they're going to act up, let's make sure everybody is tested or vaccinated. I think that they will have a problem with the airlines. I think the airlines are not going to want this for domestic travel. I think we don't have a choice when it comes to international, but for domestic travel, it may be a different story. I think the airlines are going to push back because they're just starting to get some of their numbers back from pre-COVID or pre-pandemic numbers of 2019. And I think we have a long road ahead of us. So let's see what happens. So I'm sure ASTA is going to weigh in. I'm sure, especially IATA, the International Air Transport Authority, of course, the airlines would like to probably hear what Airlines for America has to say. And, you know, just the industry as a whole. Yeah, the um, CEOs from major airlines and IATA and others have already chimed in. That would be very challenging, and that's the word they use, challenging, to implement a rule of COVID testing and or vaccine proof before you get on a domestic flight. So we'll have to see what happens. In that same vein, it is getting tougher for unvaccinated U.S. travelers to re-enter the United States after traveling abroad. But you know what? I want to go back to what we were just talking about because I think this decision and this discussion or even consideration for COVID testing or vaccine requirement for domestic has a lot to do with the opening of the borders with the United States Mm -hmm. and allowing other countries to come in. Yeah, they basically are dealing with reciprocal programs for people coming in from other countries. Also, I think the United States is looking at the fact of issues we're having in flights and issues we have with the Delta variant and saying we need to take these things into consideration. So actually, I like some of this new ruling on here, but it's very complicated. 
complicated, isn't it, Jamon? It is complicated. And I think that it would be less complicated if we had some systems in place to handle it. But back to the headline that I was talking about, which is getting tougher for unvaccinated U.S. travelers to return or re-enter the United States after traveling abroad. As it stands now, the latest policy that was put in place as of January 12th was that any traveler coming into the United States, whether you're a foreigner or a U.S. citizen returning, you would have to provide proof of a negative COVID test within 72 hours of arriving or boarding that flight to the United States. Now, the new proposal and it's going to take effect November 1st, is that if you are a vaccinated traveler, that rule is not going to change for you. You still will need to, one, provide the proof that you are a vaccinated traveler, and two, produce a negative COVID test upon re-entry or before boarding the flight within 72 hours. Now, here is where it's going to change for unvaccinated travelers. You will still have to get the COVID test 72 hours prior. You will then have to get another COVID test 24 hours prior to your flight. And you will also have to provide proof of a COVID testing kit that you will then be tested upon arrival in the United States. Now, there may be some discussion on the 72-hour versus 24 hours, but even if you take out the 72-hour, that means a mad dash to go ahead and get tested 24 hours before coming back home in another country. So that's going to be real tight for people who are unvaccinated. And then proof of carrying a kit with you or being lined up to go get a test upon arrival at the airport from a testing center. Frankly, it's just better to go ahead and get the vaccine. Again, that's going to be a choice that somebody's going to have to make. And then with these COVID testing kits, they do sell them here. They're a bit more expensive than they are if you buy them abroad. So If you don't want to buy it before you leave, and I would certainly recommend that you buy it before you leave, that way you know you have it. You definitely want to check the destination to see if they're available for sale at that destination because not all destinations have those home kits that you can purchase. And you're supposed to show proof when you arrive in the United States or be ready to go ahead to a testing center at the airport. But this is supposed to be done before you arrive. The tests are much cheaper, as low as five and six dollars US overseas in a lot of countries. But as you said, you have to make sure you can purchase it and be able to carry it and bring it back home. And also you need to find a place that's going to give you a test within 24 hours and results before you'll go to the airport. Absolutely. In every country that you're at overseas, just get the vaccine. Something else that is going to happen as a result of the new rule changes starting in November, that the United States is opening its borders to foreign nationals coming in. What that means, though, is that they are asking and requiring that the airlines gather information so that there is contact tracing information available. Now, I wonder though, because other countries require that you complete a health document, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we have such a thing in place. We don't have a national program for this, but you know what's interesting about it? We mentioned before that programs like CLEAR, the program for getting in and out of the airport, like TSA PreCheck and other things like that, offer these kind of programs to be downloaded. I'm going to a conference next month and I had to download one so I can have a code that can be scanned that basically shows my vaccination status and it'll be available as an app on my phone that I can take everywhere. But like you said, most countries already implemented this program. We just have not come up with one national version. Yeah. And you mentioned the conference that you're going to. And while I know it's here in the United States, the company that puts on that conference is from the UK. So they're using systems that they have. A British app. Yeah. But it works. The whole purpose is, is that nowadays these programs work universally. And frankly, instead of making a whole lot of copies of your vaccine card to be able to scan it, download it, have it verified, and then be giving a Q code that anyone can go ahead and scan from your phone or from an app, and it gives you verifiable information that speeds up the whole process. Either that or Americans can expect to 
24 hours before they get on a flight, fill out forms to go to a country mm-hmm. and then to come back home. You're already doing it probably to, to, to go, go to a lot to. of countries. We've had to fill them out numerous times on our travels this year. We certainly have. And so just be reminded that the next international flight that you have, even U.S. carriers are going to ask you for some information right. online when you're checking in. Now, okay, here we are. We're talking about boosters. A lot of countries now are looking at the vaccines. And so even if you're currently fully vaccinated, it still may not be enough. You may have to get that booster. So I want to talk about what these boosters are all about and how that's going to impact travel and why is it impacting travel? Well, it's really interesting because the CDC sat down and really overnight they put out recommendations. This had been discussed for a while because as Javon has already mentioned, a number of countries are looking at the degradation or how much the vaccine is going down in its effectiveness. And this is very small amounts starting at 90 some percent and maybe dropping to 80 some percent. But at six months and nine months, there are a lot of countries looking at saying it's time for a booster. This started with Israel that's already implemented the program. So here comes the CDC and they put out their program and it included that people 65 and older, especially residents in long-term care facilities, should all be lined up to get the booster. And the booster at at this point is the Pfizer booster. The Pfizer BioNTech program is available. So it doesn't matter if you have Moderna or J&J or whatever like that. The Pfizer one is available for it. If you are ages 50 to 64 years old, if you have underlying medical conditions, then you should be looking to get the booster also at this time. And people 18 to 49 with underlying medical conditions like diabetes, obesity, they may receive a booster shot based on their individual benefits and discussion with their medical professional. So basically at this point, the booster is going to be made available to different people based on your age or your needs. But also keep in mind, based on what country you're going to, you may need a booster. Yeah, because already I've seen, for example, Croatia and some other countries have put a end date on the efficacy of your vaccine. So, for example, I think with Croatia, they said 240 days. So if you were fully vaccinated more than 240 days ago, that means that you're now falling into the unvaccinated category almost. And so you may want to consider that booster. So that's how the booster, whether or not you get it, is going to impact your travel, that some countries are putting time periods on the vaccination. And I do want to say that Dr. Fauci said that we should be back to a better sense of normalcy or closer to a normal normalcy by March. We talked earlier about borders opening, and one country who's been pretty closed off until recently is Canada, and they have decided to reopen their borders, and so has the United States for them. They were not on our initial list, but now they are, and this is, again, going to happen in November, but only for fully vaccinated travelers are, uh, is the United States reopening those land borders. So before they had talked about air borders or airports, but not land borders. So that we're talking about vehicle, rail, ferry, travel between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. It's been restricted to essential travel, but that's going to open up. If you're vaccinated, you'll be able to travel between the U.S. and Mexico, U.S. and Canada. All people within Canada on rail systems, domestic flights, and others need to be fully vaccinated too. Well, that's it for travel news, but we will continue with more news and hot topics when we come back. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Visit the website, travelingculturati.com, connect with me on social media, and join the travel club because we're going places. In January, we're going to Ghana, and in February, we are going to Dubai with an extension to the Maldives. It's a super luxurious trip that we're taking. So again, if you want to come with 
go to TravelingCulturati.com. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Continuing my never-ending search for great travel tips, anything that can aid me and my travels to make them easier, I peruse several lists of travel professionals and masters to see what's on their list. Take an extra bank card and credit card with you. Disasters happen. It's always good to have a backup in case you get robbed or you lose your card. You don't want to be stuck somewhere without access to your funds. So you want to have one card that you use for daily purchases and to get cash. The extra card is one that you'll leave behind in your safety deposit box or hidden on your person. Make sure it has a high credit limit. You should travel by yourself at least once. There's so much you'll learn about yourself and how to be self-reliant. Traveling solo taught me how to fend for myself, talk to people, and handle unfamiliar situations with ease. If you're not already, it can make you more comfortable with yourself and show you what you're capable of. Overall, it's a valuable life lesson. Read up on that destination that you're visiting. You'll get a deeper understanding of the people and its culture. Now, you can't understand the present without knowing the history. Go ahead and visit that Starbucks. Yes, I am a little biased with that, but let's face it, it's popular for a reason. Sometimes something familiar is comforting. And Starbucks always has free Wi-Fi and public toilets you can use. So don't hang out there all day, though, and rob yourself of local places. Just pay it a visit. Always get behind business travelers when in security lines. They move fast and they have it down to a science because they do it often. And they travel light. Line up behind them as much as possible. Not only will you get through the line faster, you'll see and learn how they do it. Alternatively, never get behind families. They take forever. I'm not blaming them because they do have a lot of stuff because of the children. (laughs) If it's unavoidable, just know it's going to take a while. Happy journeys. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. We're continuing our conversation today with all news and hot topics. And again, the most trending news and topics are vaccines or the unvaccinated traveler and how it's impacting travel. And then, of course, reopening of the borders. Lots and lots and lots of countries are reopening. But I do want to kick it off with talking about upcoming travel season that is the holidays Mm -hmm. because we're looking at more people traveling for the holidays this year than they did last year last year we were all visiting via zoom yeah we were all locked down so (laughs) everyone's out and about so that means there's going to be a lot more people at the airport starting in really october but heavily november december and january right that's right and united airlines for one they plan to add over 3,500 domestic flights just to support the holiday demand as they see the increase and the searches increasing. They just made this announcement last week and it's the largest domestic schedule since the start of the pandemic. Yeah, this increase, and it's an increase over 16% over 2019, means that there are more options and more flights and we've experienced it already. I did some searching for our holiday travel and found several additional flights that did not exist before last week and fares that dropped from two to three hundred dollars round trip around Christmas time from Washington DC Chicago round trip to only $159. So this is the new time to go ahead and purchase those holiday travel tips. So bravo to United Airlines and let's see if any of the other airlines get on board add more flights and more crews so that we can get from where we want to on the holiday season. Yeah, but don't delay because as the word gets out and as these low fares have already hit the market, more and more people are going to book. And that means the flights will be full and the prices will start to go up again. That's so true. Any particular days? Well, basically, I have already found out that if you are looking at purchasing tickets and looking for the best rates, you ought to look at Tuesdays for your airline tickets and then look at travel anytime other than the weekend. If you can travel midweek, 
through Thursday. So that's Tuesday through Thursday and return on those days. You're going to find the lowest fares by as much as 30 to 40 percent. I was able to see on some of the more popular routes between the Midwest and the East Coast or the Midwest and the West Coast. But also look at your travel arrangements for land. Car rental industry has never really caught up from last year when a lot of people started getting in cars and renting cars. So if you're going to be renting a car, you want to check those rates now and look at making those arrangements on a Thursday and have the car pick up on Monday through Friday for the lowest rates. Don't forget, you can travel talking about the major holiday like Thanksgiving and Christmas. If you travel on Thanksgiving Day or on Christmas Day, you can usually find some really good rates too. I want to talk about what happened with Southwest Airlines last week and what it really means and how you can be impacted on a carrier like Southwest and why you could be greatly impacted on a carrier like Southwest. So last weekend and into the week, Southwest Airlines had thousands of cancellations. And initially, they said that it was due to weather. However, the FAA quickly debated that and said that it was not due to weather. And because Southwest Airlines had a far higher rate of cancellations and delays than any other airline. It could not have been the same weather condition that anybody else was dealing with. This started over the weekend and went into the week. And I think they're probably still playing catch up on some of these things. But yeah, in one day, more than 360 flights were canceled last week. But one of the things I wanted to explain with Southwest Airlines is that it is not on a hub and spoke route map or route service. And what I mean by that is that they are point to point. Most airlines are on a hub and spoke, which means that they have one or two, maybe even three hubs. All of their flights get routed in and out of those hubs with connections onto other destinations that they serve, which means they have a greater chance of swapping out aircraft, swapping out crew. So they have a broader way of handling flight cancellations and delays from other places. With Southwest Airlines, they're point to point, which means they're not all going in and out of one, two, or maybe even three hubs. So one flight or one route may see the same aircraft Mm -hmm. back and forth all day. So if something happens to that one, it's a bottleneck and it's a snowball effect. It's not a situation where there's an extra plane part somewhere or an extra crew right there, which you have at a hub. You don't have that with Southwest. That same plane turns around and it goes right back and it goes right back again. And maybe it flips crews. But other than that, once it's delayed, it's going to stay delayed. And once it's canceled, that means the next flight and the next flight is canceled because there is no other plane to get you back and forth. So you have a thousand cancellations in one day over the weekend and thousands of delays every day. And I think we've all determined that weather wasn't the only factor. It may have been a factor amongst other reasons, but the numerous cancellations, there is talk that it could be the result of vaccine mandates and some pilots not wanting to get the vaccines or refusing to fly. However, Southwest Airlines is saying that there is nothing nefarious about. Well, the even the union jumped in on that one and said, look, no, we did not plan a slowdown among the pilots or anyone else. We're not happy with the situation, but they wanted to make sure the blame wasn't on them. It comes down to bad scheduling and not having planes and staff where they need to be. Yes. Now, getting your passport is very, very important. Take a look at your passport. And I want you to check several things. One, how many blank visa pages do you have? Two, the expiration date. And three, if you have travel plans, you want to check the validation of the passport as it relates to the destination's requirement, meaning how long do they need your passport to be valid for traveling to that destination. Here's why. If you need to get a new passport, it could take some time. They're talking about... 14 weeks from the day of application is submitted to receive a new passport. That's routine service. For expedited service, Mm -hmm. 10 weeks. And this announcement came out on October 
8th. And it's not going to get any better. If you are planning any travel in the next six to eight months, or really any time in the calendar year 2022, and any of those things Javon mentioned, don't have enough pages, blank visa pages, my passport is going to be coming up for needing to be renewed anytime in the calendar year 2022, you need to go ahead and get that passport out now, even if your travel is not for six months, because it's not going to get any better. And once we get to spring, the demand is going to be even worse. And something else to know, if you have an emergency, the online appointment booking system has been disabled, you will have to place a call to make an appointment because of the demand and because of the delays. So you will have to renew by mail, giving yourself plenty of time to do so. And if you need an appointment beyond the regular service or expedited service, you will need to give them a call. You can find information at travel.state.gov forward slash passport. But please do yourself a favor and take a look at your passport. You know, there's something that's been happening over the last, I would say, 10 years, and that is the decline of nightclubs and how unattended they are. Of course, the pandemic and COVID had a lot to do with that in 2020 and parts of 2021 as well. Nightclubs have been closed, but this has been happening before 2020. Yeah. And who are we going to blame this on? I'm sorry. It's going to fall right on the head of the millennials who have not shown any interest in going to nightclubs or dance clubs. So liquor sales are way down. This is not the group of the hanging out in the bars in the 1990s and hanging out in the dance clubs and the rave parties of the 90s and 80s and the discos of the 70s. They don't show any interest in nightclubbing. No, they're not. And we're talking about millennials who were born between 77 and 94. So right now they're between the ages of 21 and 38. So again, you may be thinking maybe 10 years ago, some of them weren't even of age, but 10 years ago, some of them were of age. And we've just seen this transition of nightclubs and really having trouble with staying full or really attracting people. And they're just not being patronized by the millennials. And I think a lot of the Gen X's are just getting older and you know, not frequenting some of those same nightclubs. We've also changed our habits as far as that goes. And also, when you think about the reason why, there are a lot of reasons why, but think about the social construct of the Gen X versus the millennials. Mm -hmm. Of course, the millennials are much more tech savvy. And that includes the social scene. Yes. It includes dating. Yes. Look at the dating apps where Gen X's and even boomers to a certain extent went out and met people socially at clubs. That's not necessarily the case anymore. They don't need to do that. And the things that they like to do, the ability to listen to different types of music from all around the world, and the ability to have an open conversation, or even as you said, to be able to text and work on my smartphone and communicate with other people, it's kind of hard in a loud nightclub. So they really don't enjoy that. Plus, it's the overall cost, the admission getting pushed around, crowds, lights, all these different things. It's not as appealing to them. So when they go, they only really go on special occasions, a bachelorette party, people coming together, some friends. But they're not going to be at the club every Friday night or Saturday night like their counterparts and them Gen Xers and even to a certain extent, the baby boomers and all the others were. So they're going a different direction. So liquor sales are down. Nightclubs are closing left and right. Even in Germany and UK, where the nightclubs have always been a strong part of the nightlife. And I think... Now, I don't want to discount the pandemic having an impact on this because I think that it did. I think what was left of it, people just kind of stopped and thought, do I really need this? You know, I think 2020 gave us all this kind of insight to ourselves. But also, as we have been going back to restaurants, not 
nightclubs, but restaurants and bars maybe. What we've noticed is that it's expensive. Yes. It's gotten very expensive, especially with these high-priced drinks. I'm a wine drinker, but I remember, and I don't want to make this sound like way back when, but not too long ago, you could get a decent glass of wine for $15. Now, you know, some of these glasses of wines are $20 and up. Some cocktails are $20 and up. In New York in 2019, I remember paying like 30 some dollars for one cocktail. I mean, it's just getting to the point where I think the restaurant and bar scene is going to price themselves out and people are going to say, you know, I can get together with friends and have this experience or go to some other places and have this experience in a less expensive way. They also talk about the poor male to female ratio. Yeah, Yeah, that's a big part too. Nobody wants to go there and just be seeing everybody looks just like you. You want to go out and meet people and have a good time. And you can do that in so many other ways now. They can go to binge parties where they can watch Netflix and different shows like that. They can go out and some good things outside, hiking and movies and concerts and relaxing and bars and places where you can read, coffee bars and things where you can do other things and you can still communicate with your electronics and do a lot of things. A lot of them, like you said, are going to restaurants, foodie parties. So those are the kind of things, the options they have. Reinvention of the nightclub, I think, is something that we're going to have to take a look at. Just as resorts and hotels are reinventing their services and amenities, they've really felt like they've needed to in light of the pandemic. And now that we're still dealing with it, actually, they're looking at new ways to make people feel comfortable at the hotels and resorts. For example, there's this hotel or resort in Florida that now has a champagne butler, an on-demand cocktail cart, and they even have custom-stocked mini bars. This is the Alpalm Beach Resort and Spa. It is a five-star property. It's on the ocean in Florida, but they have re-envisioned so many different things and amenities to help their guests feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah, and this actually is something that will probably catch on, not just in Miami, but in some five-star locations like Las Vegas, where you can sit around by the pool and have bar service brought directly to you. And there'll be toast parties and other activities. This is a five-star version of that butler service. So I think that's something that might catch on a lot. Now, something else that is changing and the airlines have, you know, at one point they said we need to implement free changes for airline tickets because of COVID. Then they said it has now expired now that we're getting back to normal. Well, there are some airlines that never let it go and some airlines that are saying, okay, we're going to do this again because there's still a bit of a hesitancy from some to want to travel. So this is another way to say, come on and travel, make those travel plans. And then if you need to make a change to your ticket, we won't charge you. So they've even extended that on to basic economy tickets. Yeah, isn't that great? Because basic economy basically meant you could make no changes from the time you ticketed. Nothing could be changed about the ticket. Now they're allowing at least one free change. So you can change your flight. And we already knew we had a situation that within 24 hours, you could go ahead and cancel your reservation. But now the free change means like with major airlines, if something comes up, you can go ahead and get that credit and move it to another flight right away. So some of the airlines that are on this list are Alaska. And, you know, this is, of course, in relationship to Hawaii as well, because they request that their visitors and residents reduce travel to the islands. So for Honolulu, Kona, Lihui, and Kahului, it's a waiver that applies to all tickets to and from Hawaii that are purchased directly with Alaska Air on or before August 31st, with original travel dates through October 31st. And then you have Delta, At the end of July, Delta issued a new 2021 basic economy changeability waiver, and it's a new policy that allows all basic economy tickets purchased directly from Delta to be changed without a fee as long as it falls within certain parameters, like it was ticketed between May 1st and December 31st of 2021 with original dates through December 31. Ticket reissued on or before December 31, 2021. And then new travel dates would be through December 31, 2022.
two. So that credit's good for a whole year if you need to make a change. So that's pretty nice. Yeah. And Frontier, also in mid-August, they eliminated the cancellation and change fees for new bookings through September. And United Airlines is doing a very similar program. I don't have the exact parameters in front of me, but you can check with their websites to see what changes in. When you put in for the fare and you get it, they will tell you what the waiver or the change fees are. And in many cases, as Javon mentioned, this went in to deal with the COVID and especially the Delta virus, where they allowed changes to be made. And we thought they were going to end and they're still available. So let's take advantage of it. You can book your ticket now and make changes generally through to the end of the year. TikTok is becoming a social media platform that the travel industry is looking to. And the global fashion brand Super Dry recently commissioned research to uncover the most viewed countries, cities, and attractions. These are all related to video sharing and social networking that's done on TikTok. It involved analyzing the view numbers of thousands of travel-related hashtags on the app and also revealed some of the trendiest places and cities. And they also looked at over a thousand attractions and they searched respective hashtags on TikToks. So let's take a look at what some of those most watched cities and attractions were across the globe. And interesting enough, but to no surprise to anyone, Dubai comes in number one through number three or four on most categories in there with things like the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world with 1.5 billion views. Dubai itself with 62.7 million views. The Dubai Mall itself with millions, 575 million views. These are destinations all within the city of Dubai that are ranking up billions of views. So it moves them quickly to number one. Then you got good old New York, New York. New York is still one of the most watched cities in the world with TikTok with 114 million views. And areas in New York, such as Times Square, is always a big location. So that's in there. But there's a lot of other international destinations that come in very well, don't they, Javon? Yeah, they do. But I do want to talk about New York some more because remember Broadway is back. So that's another reason that I think people are really looking at New York, a lot happening there. And I'm excited to see that Broadway is back. But Melbourne, Australia is a city with 11 million views. And Melbourne is the 10th most watched city worldwide on TikTok. Interesting. Bogota, Colombia. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen that one. <laughs> yeah, there was only two South American cities in the top 25. We're looking at the top 10 list, but there were only two in the top 25. And ninth worldwide with 12.4 million views among travel minded TikTok users was Bogota, Colombia. Another one that's not on this list, though, I see a lot on social media. You've got Bogota, you got Medellin, you got Buenos Aires, but you don't see Rio. You normally see that in the top ones. But there's some other great destinations such as Tokyo in Japan and Seoul in South Korea bringing up the Pacific and Asian area. Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam is a big one. And of course, Jakarta in Indonesia. These are ones that do extremely well for people who are looking for travel to the Far East. And I'm glad to see Tokyo on there. Tokyo is one of my favorite cities. Japan. I love visiting Japan. So I was glad to see that there. But Paris. Now, Paris is probably always on somebody's list. But let's stay with France. The Eiffel Tower is still an attraction that garners a lot of attention. And the funniest thing is that, of course, way, way, way back when nobody liked the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, and it's when it first came one out. of these places. It's the iconic site. And, <laughs> and even when you see the tower in Tokyo that looks like the Eiffel Tower, everybody calls it, oh, it's the Japanese Eiffel Tower. I mean, you know, it just fits in. But Disneyland Paris yeah. is right up there, too. So France is doing very well. Paris is another one of those universal ones. But I tell you, Dubai really kicked it off. And just about everything in Dubai and Abu Dhabi made the top list. Yeah, some other places in the United States, Niagara Falls, both for Canada and the United States, Universal Studios Hollywood, and Walt Disney World Resorts. And we already talked about Disneyland in Paris. But yeah, Dubai. And there's lots of reasons that we've already mentioned about Dubai. 
There is the Dubai Mall. They're really known for their shopping. And I think some things that don't always get the mention, but a lot of people go for this type of shopping in Dubai, and that's the souks, from yes. the gold souks to the spice souks. You also have the Global Village. Lots of great shopping in the Global Village, along with live shows and performances. Some of your top chefs are in Dubai, but... The main attraction this year is the Dubai Expo. Expo 2020, yes. (laughs) The World Expo happens every five years, was supposed to happen in 2020, so it's called the Expo 2020. It's happening now. It just launched and kicked off this month, will go until the end of March, and it's the reason that we're going to Dubai. We're heading over there in February, February 23rd through March 2nd, with an optional extension going on to the Maldives, but we have several clients who are going to Dubai as well. And we're talking about between February and March. So it is certainly the place to be. But this time we wanted something ultra luxurious going to Dubai with the extension to the Maldives. Yeah, so basically this is going to be one of those once in a lifetime bucket list trips. So you can get a chance to explore the Expo 2020 in Dubai with daytime and evening activities because there's 192 country exhibits going on all the time from sun up to sundown and there's some great nighttime activities taking place in Dubai. Stay at five star hotels, see all the major sites, go to the Burj Khalifa, Burj Al Arab. Go on to Abu Dhabi and then finish it all up in the Maldives. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, especially the expo, because any event I have ever been to that was put on by Dubai has been phenomenal. And I have truly enjoyed it. So again, we're going to Ghana as well, January 21st through the 29th for a cultural experience. Last week, I had Mawuli Zebu on and we talked about Ghana beyond the return. It's going to be a fabulous experience. It's going to be a cultural experience. A naming and atonement ceremony, connecting with the Ghanaian culture through its history, through its food. And we have some wonderful things planned. So again, go to TravelingCulturati.com for more information and to sign up. When we come back, you'll have more hot topics on the Culture Report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. Check out the website, travelingculturati.com. Follow us on social media and join the travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the music, food, arts, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. The culture of how we travel and prepare for travel is always interesting. Each day in our Traveling While Black Facebook group, we pose a question on various travel scenarios. Today, Jean and I want to share our preferences on some of those questions so that you can get to know us just a little bit better. And one thing I can tell you is you're going to find out we're an odd couple. Yeah, it's really interesting because a number of people say, you two are just alike. And we're like, "Uh, no, you don't know us at all then. (laughs) Because we differ on a lot of things and it's just the way we're raised and just the way the people who we are. But we do agree on a lot of things and one of them is our love of travel. So we love travel, but even getting there, we differ. Javon, window or aisle seat? Well, it's a window seat for me for the most part, but I sometimes switch it up. But the window seat, primarily. Yeah. And for me, it's always an aisle seat. I'm not sure. And I don't really care the configuration. If it's a two, four, two, 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 or a two across each way, or even if it's a one, two, one, that's the only time I will consider a window when it has the aisle next to it. Cause I don't want to cross over anybody, especially in the middle of the night. You're almost always aisle that's right. without fail. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, I'm a bit more flexible. And I think that's probably the way we are in general. But typically, I like the window seat because I can lean, I can get some sleep. That's a bit easier, I think, to do that in the window seat. And, you know, with boarding, 
I hate everybody walking by and bumping and it's just that foot traffic for everybody getting to their seat. Now, granted, that's only for boarding that that's an issue. Take off and landing, but it's an issue and it makes a lot of sense. But on this one, and I encourage everyone to go to Traveling Raw Black, our Facebook group page and sign up and join us because on this comment, it was very definitive. Nobody said, I don't really care. They were like, aisle and bold or window and bold. It was not too much in between. And I know every once in a while, based on the flight configuration, you might take an aisle seat, but you're pretty much a window person and I'm always an aisle person. And I think people are pretty much one way or the other when it comes to that. Yeah. And that also means that if you get the middle seat, no one's choosing it. You're just stuck with it. No No one chooses the middle seat. We'll give you an armrest on each side, but yeah, you poor thing. I feel for you. And I like the three across when there's nobody there and you can have your window and I can have the aisle. Yeah. However, you know, when you talk to a lot of couples, one part of the couple will either say that they want the aisle or the window. And then the other person just wants to sit next to them That's right. and they'll take that middle seat. But you and I are very different from that. We will book the window and the aisle and we don't care who in the middle <laughs> and they always ask would you like to switch no <laughs> or you're we'll in the take, middle right or we'll take aisles across across from each other and i prefer yeah. aisles across from each other because when we're in flight nobody's in your way it's very rare and then when we get up to leave the plane it's very easy for us to get up and leave but of course you got to deal with all those people getting on the plane who forget they have a backpack that weighs 40 pounds on their back and they turn around and hit you upside the head so that's why a lot of people like the window one So, you know, preparing for the trip is a lot, Javon. Let's talk about packing. And we do a lot of things on what to pack, but when to pack. And that was an interesting one because this one had many different answers. So the question was really, when do you pack? A week before hours before or somewhere in between. Now, granted, most people fall in the somewhere in between. But on the Facebook group, it was very interesting to see that quite a few people packed like Eugene very, very early. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder about you people. You know, because we are very well structured and planned out everything. So it's in my mind exactly what I'm going to take because I've been to a lot of destinations. And I know and like you, I learned from Javon, I have a color palette. I have a set couple of shoes that I'm going to take that include walking shoes and dress shoes. And I have everything lined up. Plus, based on the season, my travel clothes are already lined up in my closet that way. So I can just pull them out and put them in a suitcase. So one week before, you can count on the fact that I probably packed my bag and it's sitting next to the door waiting for me. Yeah. Me, on the other hand, if it's a long trip, I pack the day before. If it's a short trip, Maybe a few hours before. (laughs) It's my favorite thing to sit up two o'clock in the morning while Javon packs the bag for the 6 a.m. flight. (laughs) Now, what I will do is make a packing list. And I start that pretty early out. But also understanding that there's some things that I never unpack, of course, like my toiletries, like my electronics you know, cables and things like that. And even things that I don't use on a regular basis, but I always, depending on where I'm going, will need it for my trip. Like there's an umbrella packed in my bag. There are beach shoes packed in my bag. There are basic toilets, right? There's a robe and there are some slippers. So certain things are already in my bag. And then I determine what do I need for this particular destination. And one thing I need to put in there, though, that I took out, and I don't know why I took it out, which was a slicker, a rain poncho. And I need to go back to putting that in. So everything else is really what I want to take for that particular day. Now, the same true for unpacking. Again, this was a very interesting question. You know, when do you unpack when you return from a destination? And the answers were hysterical, but fun to learn about you. So again, we're letting you know about us. Me, I take my dirty clothes out. So when I'm traveling, I always pack a laundry bag and I put all my dirty clothes in there. So when I come back, I take my laundry bag out and then I can wash my clothes. The other clothes, I don't tend to unpack unless I need them. So if it's out of season, then yeah, they can stay in there for a little while. But if I need them right away, then I'll go ahead and unpack those. But Jean? As soon as I get in the door, my bag goes right back to the room, (laughs) open on the bed, and then I unpack and I hang up and put away everything. The dry clean items go to dry clean and the items to be washed go in the wash. And get this, folks, I know. 
I also refill my toiletries on the first day back so that that toiletry bag goes right back in and it's ready to go again. Yeah, I told you, we're an odd couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what about a laptop or a tablet? I think we're probably the same on this one. This is probably one of the only ones that we're the same on. Yeah, we both have tablets, but rarely use them. I carry a laptop for business And my smartphone is what I use for pictures and entertainment. So you have people say, well, I want to watch movies. I watch them on my phone or on the plane. My music is on there. My pictures are taken on there. And I do most of my communications with my phone. But when it comes to business, I'd rather use a laptop because I like to keyboard on a laptop. Yeah, we're the same on that one. No argument there. For me, it's really the question of whether or not I'm going to take my laptop. That's right. (laughs) Because in some places, let's be honest, you do not need either a laptop or a tablet. You can get by with a smartphone. I think this was a bigger question, but we still post it and we get definitive answers of people who go one way or the other. I just will say this. Stop using your tablet to take pictures in a crowd. You're blocking everyone else's view. (laughs) That's the news and comment section. Now, are you a night owl or an early bird. Now here's where we differ again. Biggest differentiation between the two of us. If you are a person who's been up after 10 p.m. on one of our group trips, you will state the following. I have never seen Jean Harley. (laughs) If you are a person who is up at 5 a.m., then you can say, oh, I just saw Jean in the gym or he's getting ready for breakfast downstairs. But if you want to have a good time and be up socializing and talking about the world's features and what's going on in the world today, and it's 1030, 30 p.m. at night, you can find Javon with the group and they're having a great time. So that's where we really differ. Yes, I am the night owl. Now, of course, I have to get up early. It's just the world works that way. Everything opens at a certain hour. You want to get up and out and do things when you're seeing attractions and you're taking tours. So I do so, but I do so begrudgingly. I'm not the person who jumps out of bed to greet the day with hello and opening the windows. No, no, I'm not the early bird on that one. I am the night owl. I am the one who's going to hang out with you. I am the one who's going to have a glass of wine with you and sit up and talk with you all night. I just love that. I just love of the night. I'm a creature of the night. What can I say? But we make it happen. I just know that Gene loves it when I'm not traveling with him because he can go to sleep early without interruption and mm-hmm. without the television on. No TV. <laughs> Rarely turn on the TV. Yeah, that's true. Now, when it comes to destinations, a lot of it falls on the time of year that you're there. So we asked the question, what is your favorite season? And I'm really strange on this one. How about you, Javon? I'm very particular, but I don't let it just dictate the time of year that I travel. My favorite season, generally speaking, is the fall. Yes. I think it's also a great time to travel. One, it's not as crowded, what we call that shoulder season, but there are two shoulder seasons. There's spring and there's fall, but I like fall better. I love the weather. You typically only need a jacket, if at all, and sometimes you surprisingly get summer-like temperatures, but not the hot, humid summer. I just, a lot of the fall activities, things that are happening in the fall, especially in the United States, but of course, the other parts of the world that have four seasons, it's just a beautiful time. You have fall foliage. You know, I did a whole show on the fall, my favorite time of the year. Yeah. And this is where we agree very strongly. Again, fall for me is the best time and maybe even for a different reason, because fall has all the benefits of summer without the cost. The temperature is really mild or based on where you are, very moderately comfortable where you can still go out and do everything. The water, if you're going to a seaside destination, is still warm from a hot summer. So if you're there in September and October, the water is still roughly the same temperature as late August. So you have all those benefits going in. I guess definitively for me is to avoid anything that has the word winter in it. Winter sports, winter activities, winter snow. Everything except for the Aurora Borealis. I can't find anything about winter that I truly love. So that's where I differ. Ah, well, there you have it. We're an odd couple, but we always like to hear from you and how you travel in different travel scenarios. Again, we have a great Facebook group, Traveling While Black. You want to join that and be a part of that community. 
it's a wonderful place to be. And we'd like to hear from you. And we'd like for you to share your experiences and your stories as well and to see how you travel. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.